I will read the text one more time just to get us into this message of abiding relationships. Solomon is writing in the book of Ecclesiastes, and let's remember in all of Scripture, it's not Solomon's wisdom. God is writing through a man who he allowed to hold a pen. And this is what God had to say. He said, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can they be warm alone? And if one prevail against them, two shall withstand, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Abba, Father, we thank you for your holy word, and I pray it would be a blessing today. Hide me behind Jesus, Lord, and let him speak to each and every one of us. I pray your Holy Spirit would take this message today and minister to each and every heart who hears the message in a personal and unique way. Lord, only you can be a blessing. Only you can use your word to change lives. And I pray you do a great work in all of our lives here this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the big idea this morning, I've adapted uh, Dan's preaching strategy here. The big idea this morning is very simple and directly from the scripture. Two are better than one, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, I love being out in the woods, and uh, I like cottonwood, I like just being out in the woods. I'm not really a deer hunter. I've got one deer in all the years I've been in the woods. I'm kind of like Dan Fisk. I'm an armed hiker. I can't sit in one spot for more than about 10 minutes and then I want to get going again. But uh, I just love being out in the woods. And sometimes I see things that just totally amaze me. And this vine was one of those things. Uh, as you can see, there's two vines. I'm going to pass it around in a minute. But uh, as I pass it around, remember what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Okay, because I may use this again someday. That goes for marriage and it goes for my vine too. But what struck me, and I had to stop for a minute to examine this, was that this vine was growing up through the tree. And it was about 53 inches from this branch to that branch in the cedar tree. It's growing up, not down. Down would be easy. Gravity would take care of down. But it was going up. And I looked at that and I thought of Ecclesiastes. Two were better than one. Neither one of these vines alone... Don't think of them as a half an inch in diameter, but a little baby vine. Neither one of them could have gone 53 inches on their own. But the two together 
made the journey. And I, I was just blown away by that. That was just, it just blew me away. It was just something very special, at least for this old man. I'm pretty simple. It doesn't take a lot to catch my attention. And if you notice, it's not straight. So there's a few times that the wind or something took it off one way or the other, or gravity started pulling it one way or the other, and they worked together and they pulled each other back and they kept on going up through the tree and kept on growing. And I don't know how long that would take for them to, I'm sure they weren't this big, but I don't know how long it would take for them to go 53 inches. But I'm sure that during that time period, the wind blew some, and there was probably a few storms that it endured, but yet it made its way all the way up through the branches, supporting one another. And they had their good reward. They made it. They made it from this branch, 53 inches, to that branch. They made it. They had a good reward. It was pretty amazing. At least they had a good reward until some old man came along with a chainsaw who needed some cedar posts. But even then, they're being used as a sermon illustration, and the rest of this vine rotted in the woods out there. So they had their good reward. They were flourishing until I came along. There were probably a few times uh, that uh, this thing will go with me. Uh, Lord willing, I'll be in Wales and England preaching in a couple churches over there uh, in June, and they'll probably make the trip with me if I get to go back to the Philippines, depending on my health is. Uh, I'd like to go back in 24 if I can. I'd like to take them with me there. So I'm going to pass this thing around so you can look at it. And remember, what God has put together, let no man put asunder. And ladies, don't beat your husbands with it. That might do a little damage too. Solomon, to prove his point of two being better than one, said that if one was alone and they fell, they would not have anybody to help them up. But if there was two and one fell, the other would help up his buddy. If one got cold, there would be no warmth of just one, but yet two could help warm each other. And if one prevailed against him, if he had somebody on his side, the two would withstand that one that might prevail if it was just one-on-one. And then Solomon says a threefold cord is not quickly broken, but we'll get to that, I would say in a few minutes, but I'd be lying. We'll get to that later in the sermon. As I looked at this vine and thought about this vine, meditated about the scriptures that came to my heart when I saw this thing, there was a couple words that came to mind. There were several. I'm just going to share two of them today. One of them was cleave. Cleave. So first point this morning is cleave. And that comes from Genesis chapter 3, 23 to 25. And Adam said, 
This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of the man, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. God created both Adam and Eve in his image. He formed Adam from the dust of the earth, and then he did the first recorded CPR. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then a little later on, that same day, he took a rib from Adam, and from that rib, God made Eve the first woman, and then God brought them together as husband and wife. And Adam was speaking as a prophet here, at least in my heart, because there was no other fathers and mothers to talk about when he said this word. But he said, therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That word cleave comes from a Hebrew word that means to cling or to adhere to, to abide fast. And uh, when I think of that word, an illustration that has stuck with me over the years would be holding on to a ring buoy in the middle of the ocean. You hold on to that baby until death do you part. You know, you just aren't going to let go of that thing when it's the only thing that you have. And that, to me, is an illustration of what our marriages should be. And when I think of one flesh, I don't think this speaks to just the sexual side of marriage, but I think it talks about the two who become one. And as one, they can do more together in life in general and in ministry than they could ever do alone. I just picture these two little vines growing up through the branches of that cedar tree. And then they came together and they became one. They're still individual vines, just like Sharon and I are still two individual people. But they came together and they became one in purpose. And they grew up that 53 inches to reach the next limb made an amazing journey as far as I'm concerned. The Lord gave me several applications from our vine that we'll, some of them we'll look at this morning. But the first was marriage. Another definition under uh, the Hebrew word for cleave is to catch by pursuit. Now when I was a young man, it took me a lot of pursuing But finally, I caught up with Sharon, even though we'd known each other since we're in the first grade. Finally, I caught up with her and convinced her that she ought to be my wife. And I want to tell you, in the last 50 years, things have not always been easy. You know, the marriage has not been this perfectly straight, just beautiful, everyday situation, never a problem, you know, just smooth sailing from one end to the other. There's been a few problems along the way. You can't put two sinners, even sinners saved by grace, in the same home 
and not have some discussions once in a while, you know, not, not get a little prideful and let our egos get carried away from us. I remember one time years ago, I was preaching a sermon, and I jokingly said, and I was joking, I didn't say it was a joke when I said it, but I said, Sharon is the perfect wife. And somebody out there said, Amen. And then I responded with something that was very spiritual. You've got to be kidding. She's not perfect, but guess what? Her husband is far from perfect as well. And we both will not be perfect as long as we are in this robe of flesh and we still hold on to any trace of this old sin nature that is in our lives. But by the grace of God, and only by the grace of God, he's kept us together for more than 50 years now. And like the vines, we have accomplished more in ministry and in life in general than we ever could have accomplished before. We've been through financial problems over the years. When we were newlyweds, when we were just kids, we were many years of just living paycheck to paycheck. Especially when the children were not in school. Once the girls were both in school, Sharon went back to UVM, the nursing school down there, and took a refresher course at the hospital and renewed her RN license and went back to nursing part-time. But back in the 70s and 80s, neither church, uh, teachers or nurses were taking a whole, a whole lot of money from their profession. I remember one time we had uh, the church family up to camp, and one young lady said, you know, it's hard not to be a little envious of you and Sharon. You know, you got a house, you got a camp. And my comment to her was, be patient. Be patient. When we were your age, we had two kids, a house mortgage, a car payment, and more bills than income. Just be patient. Be patient. And by working hard, and, and we have worked hard, that's, I guess, why I'm really enjoying retirement. We worked hard all our lives, and I want to enjoy retirement to its fullest for as long as I can. But now we're able to live pretty comfortably, and Lord willing, I hope we can continue to do that. And there were some parental challenges along the way as well. Not serious, because our, our girls were pretty easy on us. They had their moments, but praise the Lord that they were only moments. And like many of you out there, we've had our physical challenges. Sharon had to have a full hysterectomy at a very young age and was in a lot of pain for several years leading up to that surgery. She also had thyroid problems, but praise the Lord, they caught it and took out half of her thyroid before the cancer and the thyroid spread to the rest of her body. And now, as most of you know, she's had three surgeries on the left side and one on the right, and uh, she's going to start radiation soon, 
as the doctors tried to keep her from getting breast cancer. 1997, three years after I left teaching to be a pastor, I had bladder cancer that uh, nearly took my life. Just a miracle I survived that. But after three surgeries and a couple years of treatments and follow-up testing, finally, 10 years later, in 2007, I was declared cancer-free. My immune system's not the best. If you guys know me, I've had pneumonia and bronchial pneumonia several times. So when COVID came along, that was a little bit scary for me. If you remember right, there was a lot of people my age that were dying from that thing. And I was a little nervous about that and still am because it's still around. I had to have a near septic gallbladder removed in 2011. Doctor said it's a good thing you got this out when you did or it could have killed you. And then a few months later, I had to have an emergency appendectomy in the Philippines. And I think that was the hardest trial that we've ever faced because I was there and my wife was here. Everything else we've gone through together, been able to hold hands together and get through this thing together. But I got to tell you, that was a, a rough haul because whether I lived or died was really in question for four or five days. And she wanted to come, and I'm the one who told her, stay home. Because by the time you get tickets to come to the Philippines, and then you get to Manila, and then you get a flight to get down into Mindanao, I said, it's going to be over one way or the other. So just stay home and pray. And she stayed home and prayed. And as you can see, I made it home as well. Before this eye surgery, I had a few weeks ago and the face-down recovery, I had two other major eye surgeries. And they also were followed with face-down recoveries all in that same eye. So life has not always been easy. Our vine is pretty twisted as it's, we've grown together in the Lord Jesus Christ and gone through the challenges of life. But despite the trials and despite our individual shortcomings, God has made two one. And we have cleaved to each other in the good times and the bad times. And so far, we've made it. And I pray God we'll make it until one or the other or maybe both of us gets called home into his presence. And I think about how good Jesus is. Just how good Jesus is. Because in every one of those situations, he kept his promise where he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And sometimes the seas of life can get pretty bumpy out there. And you wonder if you're going to make it or not. But praise God, the captain of our ship is Jesus. And he kept us sailing and kept the boat upright in the worst of times. I thought I loved Jesus when I first got saved. It's kind of like 
loving your wife. You think you love your wife when you first get married, but then a few years later you find out that you love her more than you ever knew you could. I thought I loved Jesus when I first got saved, but over the years we have developed that more intimate relationship. And I hope that keeps developing until the time that he calls me home. As we consider this word cleave, about a dozen times the same word is used not just to reference the marriage relationship between a husband and wife, but what our relationship should be as the children of God to our God. There are several such references in the Old Testament. I'm just going to read one in Deuteronomy 13.4. Moses is speaking to the children of Israel. Once again, God is speaking through Moses to the children of Israel. And he says, You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. Man, if you're in a relationship with Jesus, hold on and don't ever let go. As I studied for this message, I noticed that in, in each one of these verses that there were some common themes of loving God, obeying God, serving God, walking with God. They were all found in just about every word, every verse that mentioned cleaving to him. But then it's also used in the New Testament, not as often. But Barnabas to the church in Antioch. Remember, the church in Antioch was not uh, formed by the Apostle Paul, the great evangelist, or one of the other apostles. There was a group of persecuted believers who fled Jerusalem running for their lives after the death of Stephen. And they ended up in Antioch and they took the gospel with them and they shared the gospel and these believers started a church. And the apostle heard about this church that they didn't start. So they said, Barnabas, you've got to go up there and check out this church and see what's going up there. And Barnabas went up and he checked out the church and this is what he had to say to them. Acts eleven twenty three who is speaking of Barnabas, when he came and has seen the grace of God. I hope when people walk into Northside Baptist Church, they don't see the building or the people or the pastor, they see the grace of God being carried out in every aspect of the ministry here at this church. Who when he came and has seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Cleave unto the Lord. And he was not correcting them. He was not trying to correct the wrong. He was trying to encourage them just to keep doing what they were doing. Cleave unto the Lord. Hold on to Jesus. And don't let go. And you will continue to prosper as a church, as a family, in your marriage. There's a second word that the Lord caused me to think about as I 
meditated on our vines in light of Scripture. And that second word was abide. There's many passages in Scripture that talk about abiding. But one that has been such a blessing to me in my personal life and in my years as a pastor was John 15. We're just going to pull out a few verses out of there. The first is John 15, 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. I'm not the first preacher who used a vine to illustrate a spiritual truth. Jesus said, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. Abide. Abide. The Greek word means to stay with, to dwell with, to endure with, to be present with. It speaks of an intimate relationship. One person to another Or in this case of John 15, an intimate relationship with Jesus. Abiding not with Jesus, but Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. To be filled with the Spirit of God is to be filled with Jesus as he abides in us. Abide in us and we abide in him Jesus said if you don't abide in me you can't bear fruit but if you do abide in me then you will bring forth not just fruit but much fruit and the last part of verse 5 has been a humbling reminder to me in all my years of ministry and life in general. For without me, ye can do nothing. Ye can do nothing. Nothing that would glorify our God in heaven anyway. Nothing that would prosper us on this earth. And then jumping down to 7 through 9. Jesus says, if. This is what you would call a conditional promise. Conditional promise. The word if is there. If you do this, then God will do that. It's a conditional promise. If ye abide in me. If my words abide in you, I added that in there, but you get the idea. Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, 
so have I loved you, continue in my love. Think about that last verse. You think the Father loved Jesus? Can I get an amen on that? Do you think the Father loved Jesus? And Jesus says, as the Father loved me, that's the love by which I love you. To me, that just, another one of those thoughts that just blows me away. If we abide in Christ, our prayers will be answered. Jesus says, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. Your prayers will be answered if you abide in Christ. If we abide in Christ, we will bear much fruit, and our Father will be glorified. Because it's not us bearing fruit. It's Jesus bearing fruit through us as we abide in Him, and He abides in us. If we abide in Christ, we will be the disciples of Christ, continuing in His love. And then John 15, 10 and 11. If there's that continual, uh, uh, oh dear, conditional promise again, if you keep my commandments. There is no abiding without love and obedience. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. As I think about the love of Jesus, the the life of Jesus, two things He mentioned, I do the work that the Father gave me to do. I preach the word that the Father gave me to preach. I love those two things, and I try to mimic that in my ministry. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. God doesn't want us to be sad and dysfunctional and depressed and angry and all those emotions that can run away in us sometimes. And by the way, we all have those emotional issues sometimes. At least I do. But if we keep God's commandments, we will abide in His love and His joy. His joy that held him to the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the shame of the cross. His joy, not our joy, which is temporal sometimes, but his joy, which is eternal, will remain in us and our joy will be full. Our Bible says that Jesus as a man on the earth was filled with the fullness of God. Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus as recorded in Ephesians 3 was that they would be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Jesus would dwell in their hearts by faith, that they would know the love of God, and that they would be filled with the fullness of God, with all the fullness of God. 
Jesus is a man on the earth, filled with the fullness of God. And here the Word of God says that you can be filled with all the fullness of God. Is that not mind-blowing? When the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit, it is talking about being filled with all the fullness of God. A third point this morning is the threefold court. As I look at this threefold cord, there's a couple applications to it in my life personally. For me personally, many times, Jesus is that threefold cord that God, through Solomon, wrote to us about in Ecclesiastes 4. 12 at the end of the verse and a threefold cord is not quickly broken maybe if our vine was a perfect illustration of Ecclesiastes 4 9 through 12 concerning our human relationships cleaving and abiding relationships our vine would need to have a third vine wrapped around it too, but maybe not. Because as we consider Jesus being that threefold cord that strengthens the two, Jesus isn't visible to us, but Jesus is visible through us as people see Him working in our lives individually and seeing Him working in our lives through our relationships. Love triangles in a marriage are normally considered a wicked and bad thing. But there is a perfect love triangle for every marriage. And that is when Jesus is the third party in that marriage. And that stands for the same of all the rest of our human relationships. The closer we are to our spouses, to our friends, to our family members, whatever that relationship may be, the closer we draw to God. The closer we are to God, the closer we will be to those that we are in that relationship with. By the way, if we are having problems with our spouse, maybe we're causing problems with our spouse, then we have to realize that our relationship with God is lacking as well. Because when we get one set together, the other one will be right as well. But this illustration is not just for marriages only, but for other relationships You know, it speaks of friendships. And I think friendships uh, has a changing definition. Uh, Right now I'm approaching about 700 friends on Facebook. And uh, I've only been on since when? September, I guess I was in the Philippines. 
started out, I was just going to do the, uh, help me, what is it? Messenger, so I could talk to Sharon and see Sharon and see Nikki and talk to Pastor Dan, and that was all I was going to do with it. And one afternoon, I got bored, and I decided to open the Facebook and start doing the friend thing. And, of course, I preached in probably 20 different churches when I was over there and uh, preached in a whole bunch of high schools. So most of my friends on Facebook are probably under 25 years old, and most of them are probably Filipino. But you know what? I'm okay with that. Because I try to do this post every two times a week, maybe, and put a post out on Facebook. And uh, I'm trying to make it a personal thing, but as well as a scriptural thing. Kind of in the tone that I'm preaching this morning. A scriptural message based on personal experience. And that's where I try to come from on these things. And as far as I know from uh, the number following and the comments I get, it is reaching a lot of people and being a blessing to a lot of people. So because of that reasons, I don't need my ego stroke to say, oh man, now I've got 5,000 friends. But I would like to be a blessing to 5,000 if I could be. You understand what I'm saying? But those friendships, I did a post on friendships. And uh, most of those friendships, they're not what I would call friendships. You know, as somebody that had said confirm or what's the other, delete, I think, one or the other, or deny or something. And I decided to hit confirm. I don't think I've sent out two, two friend requests since I joined. It's been people that have been wanting to be on my post, but there's, there's not a relationship there. Most of them, I don't remember where I met them, or even if I did, even if they're pastors. When I'm in the Philippines, I probably meet a hundred pastors every time that I go there, and my little peanut-sized brain doesn't remember a hundred new faces and a hundred new names. I have no idea. They show up. I have no idea where I met them, where their church is, or even if I ever did met them, or they just want to be my friend because one of their friends has me as a friend. Whatever. I don't even know how the thing works. (laughs) But to me, friends especially friends as described in the light of the Holy Scriptures, as we're looking at today, there's more of relationship there. It's a cleaving relationship, an abiding relationship with each other and with the Lord. And I hope that everyone has a few friends like that, or at least a friend like that. That person that you can go to with anything, about anything, and they're going to love you and pray for you and encourage you, and you try to be the same for them. Uh, Abiding relationships in ministry. We've looked at the friendships. Not all those things that are called friendships are really friendships as far as I'm concerned. 
but there's abiding relationships in ministry too. And our polity of multiple elders and deacons lends itself to these kinds of relationships. I am not, was not a great pastor who was stand on your own and just lead the army into battle. Any success in the ministry that I had over 25 years was because I surrounded myself with some really good people who were like that in Solomon. When I fell, they lifted me up. When I was attacked, they stood with me. And together, we survived. I'm only going to speak of one of them today, and I'm glad he's not here. That way I can talk about him behind his back. And that's Dan Fisk. I mentioned Dan. Many of you don't know him historically, but he and I were elders together back from the beginning when we switched our polity to a multiple elder system. We, we served as elders together for almost 30 years because even after I retired, I'm still an elder. That You know, you work with somebody for 30 years and you go through the good times and you go through the bad times together, the worst of times as elders, we went through stuff that nobody else in the church even knew we were going through. But you can build quite a relationship. And over the years, Dan has been not just a fellow laborer in ministry, but he's become the brother that I never had. And by the way, I'm willing to adopt brothers, grandkids, granddaughters, daughters. I do that on a regular basis. As elders, we've been through those good times, been through the worst times. He's that friend that has been closer to me than a brother, which I think also applies to Jesus as well. I feel just as close to Karen as I am to him. He's proven to be a friend, an extra special friend. Because you know what Dan Fisk will do? When he sees the fault, he will talk to me about my fault. He won't talk to you about my fault. He'll talk to me about my fault. If he thinks I've made a mistake, he'll come tell me, hey, I think you messed up here. But not as somebody is trying to hurt me, but as iron sharpeneth iron, trying to help me get through the ministry. And there's many other relationships that I've had similar to that with other elders and deacons. But if you want to get out of here before dinner time, not lunchtime, dinner time, we'll keep moving along. And then, of course, there's a very special relationship with Pastor Dan and his beloved bride, Brianna. I knew of him through summer camp and fellowship meetings at his home church down in Barrie. 
His pastor, Jim Lake, was a good friend of mine, another two vines together type of relationship. Northside Baptist was searching for a youth pastor, which was good, but my prayers, and I started praying this prayer when I was about 50 years old or a little older, 50-ish. My prayer was for my replacement. Many years before I was even thinking about retiring, I started praying for my replacement. Because when I retired, I wanted somebody in place so that the church would not even have a hiccup. It could just keep right on going. When I went out the door, I didn't want to go out the door and leave it without leadership or leave it in a mess. I wanted it to be settled so that we could just move on and have a smooth transition. And can I say God has answered that prayer? I don't know of any other church that has had as smooth a transition in leadership when the old guy steps down and the new guy steps in than what we have enjoyed here. Why? Because of Bruce and Dan? No. Because there's a God in heaven who hears and answers prayer. I went to a pastor's dinner and Dan Fisk and I have been talking about one guy at church in Barrie that we thought might possibly be a good youth pastor. And I approached Pastor Lake and he said, well, I don't think he's quite ready yet. But did you know that Dan Frost wanted to come back to Vermont? I said, no, I didn't know that. He said, here's his number, give him a call. So I didn't get back from the pastor's dinner until 10 o'clock at night. I gave him a call the next morning, 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning. By that time I called him, Pastor Lake had called him, his brother had called him, his father had called him. They all said, Pastor Bruce is going to be calling you. At that point, we could offer him $250 a week and a $500 living allowance. I checked his references and I called one church in Virginia. That church, the pastor of that church was the head of the Bible college that Dan went to. He said, Dan's leaving that, his other church? I said, yep. Yeah. I said, he, he's, he's leaving there. I think he wants to come to Vermont. And he told me how great Dan was. And then about two days later, I found out that as soon as I got off the phone with him, he called Dan and made him an offer. Full-time salary plus a house at a big church in Richmond, Virginia. But God was calling Dan to come for Bob, so he came here for his two fifty a week. Just one of the many reasons I love that young man. We met when Dan came up for Christmas with his parents just over twelve years ago now. We met at a restaurant in Williston and I had some questions from the church, and when I came back to the church, I said, we've been praying for a youth pastor, but i got to tell you, I've been praying for my replacement. 
And I believe with all my heart that we found him. See, sometimes we talk about love at first sight concerning husbands and wives. I think it goes beyond that. When I met Dan and Brianna, it was love at first sight. I just knew after we prayed together and we talked, and uh, yes, he wanted to be a pastor. He didn't want to be a youth pastor forever, and just walked away so blessed. He's been a partner in ministry, uh, pastors serving side by side in the ministry in the good times and the bad times. And more than that, he's been the son that I never had. He's just been a great blessing to me in my life. It's definitely, if you read about the relationship of Paul and Timothy, at least my perspective, I think it's that kind of relationship. And I think if you ask him, he feels the same way. But I won't speak for him. For years, in the here at North Side, as far as elders went, it had been Dan Fisk and I, the two that are better than one serving together. But Dan Frost came along and made us that threefold cord that's not quickly broken. He added that third number in there. And now Dan Fisk has stepped down from being an elder, and this young guy named Matt Biernack came along and he stepped up, and now we're back to the threefold cord that's not easily broken. God is just doing his work here. I'm so proud of our pastors and their wives. As a father would look with pride towards his children, just love them so much. There's a lot that we can do in ministry and relationships that we can have in ministry. And once again, I can't go on or we would he be here forever. I do just want to mention missionaries before we start to wrap up here. Our prayer and support for missionaries. I could preach a whole sermon on that. Matter of fact, I probably will when I go to England because I'm preaching a mission conference there and that's probably what the vine will be used for as an illustration of the local church and their missionaries. You know what I have discovered over the years as that you can fall profoundly in love with your missionaries if you pray for them. I have guys and their wives that I would call dear friends. We have had, maybe they stayed in our house one night. If they came back on furlough, maybe two nights. We've, we've had less than 48 hours of face-to-face time, and some of that was sleeping. And yet they're so dear because we pray for them. Matt puts out a thing of all the missionary letters. Read those missionary letters. They will teach you how to pray for your missionaries, how to praise for the good things that happen, how to pray for them need to understand they they face trials on the field. And we can intertwine ourselves with their lives individually and as a local church 
and love our missionaries and encourage our missionaries. Same thing's true with the prayer thing that gets put out every week with all the prayer requests for Wednesday night. Read them. Read them. Pray for your brothers and sisters and you will develop a relationship with people that you don't hardly know in person just by praying for them. Do we want to have a God-pleasing life? A fruitful life? Bearing much fruit that glorifies our Father? Do we want to grow up together as husbands and wives with Christ? As families with Christ? As friends with Christ, as a church family, with Christ, as partners in ministry here at Northside, with Christ, with missionaries that takes this relationship beyond the walls of this local church through missions. Do we want to have those kind of relationships? Cleave unto the Lord and each other. Abide in Christ and with each other. Be filled with the fullness of God. I want to close with a thought of intimate relationships. And this is a personal hobby horse, so excuse me. There's a Greek word in the New Testament it's number 782 in your strong concordance if you want to check it out. It's translated salute 37 times, greet 15 times, and embrace two times. And I counted up the ones that were only in reference to brothers and sisters in Christ in the early church. And that word means to enfold in the arms or embrace. One place where it's used as salute is Romans 16.16. 16. God is writing through the Apostle Paul as he finishes up this letter. And he writes to the church and he says, salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Enfold each other in the arms. And then greet, 1 Corinthians 16.20. All the brethren greet you. Greet ye one another with a holy kiss. So if you, if you think me a hugger, I'm just trying to be biblical. Just trying to be biblical. Enfold in the arms. If you don't want a hug, I would never force a hug on anybody. If you want to stay as far away from me as you possibly can, I will not be offended. I'll love you anyway. But these words mean to enfold in the arms. And it's so different, the cultures you get to. Now you go to Jordan, and you meet somebody, and they give you a hug, Male to male only. 
you do not hug a lady, male to male only, and they'll do on one side and on the other side. They don't touch you. Now, if somebody actually touches their lip to your cheek, that means they really love you. That means they really love you. That's what I love about being there for two weeks, teaching in the Bible college. When I walk in the door, they miss. And by the end of two weeks, they're, they're giving me a kiss, a holy kiss. I like that. I like that. And by the way, I have a few people in the United States that will give me a holy kiss. And I enjoy that, both men and women. In the Philippines, they're not huggers. In the Philippines, they don't hug. Sharon and I are changing the culture. They hug us. We walk into church and everybody starts hugging us. And I start hugging everybody. Actually, I probably started hugging them first and I liked it, so now they're hugging me. Fabulin Honga, Tony Honga's wife, passed away a year and a half ago, something like that. And when I got to see them this last fall, uh, one of their daughters came up. She gave me a hug. And she said, you know, Pastor, there was only one man other than my dad that my mom would give a hug to. And it was you. And that wasn't me forcing myself on her. When I walk into their house, she was coming to me for her hug. That's worth being in the ministry for that alone, period. You know, it's just so many blessings like that. And, and then you got in the United States, in our culture, everything's, everybody's everywhere. Some people want their space. Some people are comfortable. Comfortable with a hug or a hand, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. Just that we would not be afraid of intimate relationships within the body. And notice that it said a holy kiss. And I believe that applies to a holy hug. If somebody gives you a hug or you give somebody a hug, and there's something else there that's not holy, you need to stop. Need to stop. I remember one time, this woman in prison ministry, we had this joint thing going on, some sort of revival. And this woman came up and gave me a full embrace, no warning. She just came up to me, didn't even know her, came up to me, full embrace, kissed me full on the lips. That's not a holy kiss, by the way. And I just felt dirty. Anytime I ever saw that woman coming, I think maybe that's where I started to learn how to run. <laughs> I just avoided her like she had COVID-19. <laughs> just went the opposite direction as fast as I could go. And then later on, I found out that she ended up kissing some inmates, too, that she would take to her house, and she was thrown out of the volunteer organization down there. But don't be afraid of 
intimate relationships. Don't be afraid of biting with each other, cleaving to each other. If we do, I think we're going to miss out on a lot of what God intended us to have within our church family and within our families. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Why? Because they can accomplish more together than they ever could. And that doesn't mean everybody has to be married. I could preach a whole other sermon from 2 Corinthians on that. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. And my wife has held me up and lifted me up many times, as have our elders and deacons in this church. But woe unto him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. The big idea, two are better than one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Abba, Father, I want to thank you for Jesus. I want to thank you that in our human relationships, that we have Jesus that comes along as that threefold cord or fourfold cord or tenfold cord, whatever it is that, that in this relationship that we have, Jesus comes along and makes it all that it should be. God, I pray if there's one here today that has never been born again, into the family of God. That they would understand that in the Bible, we don't talk about religion and practicing religion, but Old Testament, New Testament was all about a relationship with God, cleaving to God, obeying His Word, loving our Creator God, walking with and in our Creator God letting him abide in us and through us. God, you're such an amazing God. I thank you for your holy word. I thank you for a couple little vines that really spoke to my heart. And I pray this message is spoken to other hearts as well. Father, I pray that you would do your will during this invitation time as we reflect on what we heard before we go back out into the world. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.